It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast. My name's Fergus Collins, I'm the editor of the magazine, and this is the podcast that takes you out into the British countryside for various adventures and meeting interesting rural folk, talking about countryside issues. I've arrived at Stourhead, a National Trust estate in Wiltshire, for a walk around the gardens with Annette Woolcock from taste of game to talk about the issues around game shooting and eating now starhead uh, is one of the i think one of the greatest national trust gardens in britain but it has a great personal significance for me because i grew up not too far away and we often came here on family walks on sundays after church after lunch we'd come for a walk here and so i'm looking down the lake the main gardens here uh, these beautiful autumnal trees, golds, russet, orange, red, all the trees around this lake to distant follies and bridges, monuments. Uh, it has this sort of epic quality for me, from my childhood. Um, so I'm kind of excited to sort of rekindle some old memories. What's, what's your role then? Well, I'm head of Taste of Game, which is... Taste the, of Game? Yes, yeah. Taste of Game, which is the uh, promotional campaign for the British Association for Shooting and Conservation. Nice. But I also support the game meat industry, um, as well as promoting it. I see. OK, so game... How would you define game? Because, I mean, I, I sort of think of, sort of pheasants and grouse and things like that, but what, what does it encompass? Um, a game, the technical uh, term for game, is when something is hunted. So anything that's hunted, so that goes from 
rabbits right the way through to grouse and to venison. So it's all the game birds. Um, the sort of pest control, which are the, the pigeons and the rabbits. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, the pheasants and the partridge, as well as the deer. Okay, so, uh, 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 but hunted and eaten. Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, apart from crow, yeah, crow, yes. crows and rats, yes. we obviously don't include as good. No. Yeah, no, fun. we don't. Okay. And um, I mean, we're we're in autumn here, and it's absolutely gorgeous surroundings. It's a really wonderful place to see autumn Beautiful, colour, isn't it? Yes. And so this is the height of the game season. Is it right? is. Yeah. Um, it, we're right in the middle of the uh, game season for the birds, and a lot of the venison too. Uh, although you can get venison most times uh, it, throughout the year. Um, they're most prevalent in, in the autumn. Is that when sort of culling takes place? And yes. Pheas- yeah, uh, deer stalking? That's, that's when most of them are in season. Yeah. So we talk about seasons. Different uh, game animals have different seasons, is that right? They do, yes. The, the venison seasons are, are very varied. It depends whether you're uh, stalking a uh, buck or, or, um, or a, 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 a stag. Um, but the bird seasons go from the partridge 1st of September through to the 1st of February and pheasant from the 1st of October to through to the 1st of February. Grouse start on the 12th of August oh, yeah, through glor- to December. Oh, yeah, yeah. So people, people would probably have heard of that. Yes, absolutely. Okay, but the other more common game birds, it's, it's September to February, basically. Yes, So yes. We're, right, we're in November now, so we're right in the heart of... Um, yes, you'll see lots of them in the shops and things at the moment. Yes, we're right in the heart of it. Yeah. So, why why promote? Why do you need to promote game eating? What's the what's the benefit? Why what's the what's the message? Well, the message is that it it is wild. Um, it's it's very sustainable, and it's extremely healthy. It's very very low in fat. Has lots of omega threes and selenium and iron, all the sort of uh, essential nutrients that you want. They're very very high in that. So they're really really good. Uh, source of protein and you know it's it's wild and it's British uh, and we should be making more of it Um, it's it's good for you because it's living it's obviously living wild feeding wild yeah they're running around the hedges running around the woods eating what they want to eat which um, makes their, their meat so tasty so Accessibility of game is, I mean, I, you know, my local butcher, I live in Abergavenny in South Wales, there's plenty of good butchers there and you can always get it. But it's not always available in supermarkets for the sort of, let's say, the, the average person buying a weekly family shop. Can, can you get it in supermarkets? Or you can, um, in season. Um, you can get it in, in uh, sort of Marks and Spencers and Waitrose and Sainsbury's. Um, but with, there are about a dozen online uh, suppliers now as well, so you can get it online easily. And I always say to people, if you've got a good butcher, just go in and ask them, because ask. that's where they can get them as easily. They might not have them on show quite so much, but they can certainly get it for you. Yeah. Um, so what are the difficulties you face in getting the message across that game is, is good to eat? It's, so it's good to eat, it's nutritious... It's, would you say it's like a by-product of the shooting industry or is it the main object oh, of the shooting industry? Oh, I hate that word. It's okay. not a by-product no. at okay. all, no. Um, it, is, it is a product of, of shooting. Yeah. 
um, and it should be it should be uh, essential for the shoots to take responsibility for, for their birds and they must understand that it is actually a food product um, the problem I think is uh, people don't know how to cook it oh, okay. um, right. it's, it's a very uh, hard not a hard meat to, to cook once you get used to it but because it's very low in fat it is uh, a quite easy to overcook, and lots of people overcook it. Oh, so um, you get this sort of dry, um, yeah, cardboardy. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. That no, would it's off, not yeah. very nice at all. Um, so we we go around the country um, uh, promoting it, and we do demonstrations and show people how to cook it. The other thing is a lot of people haven't tasted it. It's been off the menu for quite some time, so. For, for the average household, I yes, suppose. I mean, yeah. yeah, there is. Yeah. For the country uh, folk, they, you know, game is still it's quite a regular thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, but a lot of people haven't tasted it. They have this perception it's going to be very strong. Um, in the old days, we used to hang it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think lots of people sort of squirm when they hear about that. And yeah. it's not strong at all. It's uh, we only um, hang it for a couple of days now. Normally, two or three days. And um, it's not strong, it's, it's a lovely meat. So it's getting past those perceptions, getting people to, to learn how to cook it properly, um, which, are, which are the barriers and the accessibility, which is becoming better now. There's much more of it about a game now. So it's got a slight image problem in terms of taste and where you cook it. Yes. So what, what's, what's your favourite? If you had to choose, um, you know, you're, in the, you're in the butcher and there's a whole array of things. What would you, what would you oh, say would be... Pigeon. Pigeon, OK. Yes, yes, very much so. Uh, I, th I think pigeon is, is lovely. And, it, you know, for price-wise against a, say, breast of free-range chicken, which obviously a pigeon is free-range, it's completely wild, yeah. it's 60% cheaper. Really? OK, yes. so that's another thing that I would um, have naturally assumes that i mean I, I do buy game now and again it's feels like i'm spending a little bit more but pigeon yes. press on, on no top. no not at all and, and a venison okay, steak is is about 40 percent cheaper than a, an aged beef steak right. so um it, it is very comparable and that'd be a good starter for people to sort of work their way into if they wanted to go all oh, right okay that sounds interesting I'd, I'd like to try this because i think a lot of people are motivated by it so the ethics of eating something that's perhaps yes wild um, and sustainable rather than and, factory yeah, farmed healthy. yes yeah. absolutely um i would start with a, a partridge um a partridge is a, a very sweet meat and it's not strong at all so if you're not used to um a, a stronger meat and i'm not saying game is strong at all now but it is definitely more tasty than chicken so yeah. if you've had a life of chicken and suddenly come across something that's slightly stronger you, you you might balk a bit but partridge is very sweet meat it's very very nice so i always suggest people start with a partridge excellent okay and and slather it in fat or something or do you would you no, um, I, I never recommend um, roasting whole birds either, yeah. uh, simply because um, by the time you cook the legs, you've overcooked the breast. Right, uh, they're quite they, small, aren't they? They're very small, and also the, the legs, because they're in the wild and they're running around all the time. 
are very hard working. I see, they've actually been using their limbs because yes, they're exactly. wild animals. Right. So um, they take a bit of cooking to, keep, to get them tender. Yeah. So um, I, I would recommend somebody who wants to start off with, start off with breast and start off with a, a partridge and just pan fry it with whatever sauce that you like uh, for a couple of minutes each side. Okay, so that's a good starting point if you want to go down that route. So, and it's interesting. So, there are lots of objections to factory farming, and game would seem to be a way to eat something that's led, from many perspectives, a very good life. Yes, it's yep, lived out absolutely. It's lived yep. in the wild. It's had a, it's had a chance to um, breed. It's had a chance to live freely. Um, yes. Obviously, there are in order for the game to arrive in the butcher and then onto your plate, it needs to have been shot. Yes. So that's, yeah. a lot of people have a bit of difficulty with shooting, um, which I think is quite interesting if you compare shooting to an abattoir. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's killing in different ways, but... There's no stress involved with shooting. The bird is free. Uh, whereas uh, with an abattoir, uh, the animal actually has to be sort of transported to an abattoir, which involves stress. So, uh, but we're assuming it's a clean kill. Yes, yes, absolutely. So there are some, I think, um, some issues sort of arise with things like pheasant shoots, where you have a lot of people paying a lot of money to shoot a lot of birds. And some of those people may not be particularly expert shots. Does that have? Is that is there you know, leading to wounded birds? Yes. And yeah. and maimed birds dying a lingering death. I'm sort of giving you the emotive yes, I, I element am, here. I totally but. understand that. Um, but every good shoot has a, a phenomenal uh, group of beaters and picker-uppers and those dogs are extremely well trained and as soon as that bird hits the ground you know that 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 dog will go and get that bird um it it's as as painless as we can make it if it if it does get wounded yes does shooting face increasing calls for for change do you think i mean there are uh, recent reports talked about pheasants in particular, uh, about the rearing and releasing of large numbers of game birds into the countryside. Yes. Um, and that has an impact on, on the surroundings, or, or this report said that it had an impact on invertebrates and reptiles and that sort of thing, if you have lots and lots of birds. Is that an issue that the shooting in industry is looked at it, and it definitely and it's something that we continue to look at um, you know the shooting industry um, it spends 200 250 million on conservation every year so I think you know sometimes it, it, things are looked at out of proportion um, and not at the good things that people do and the number of you know with the uh, cover crops, you know, the increase in songbirds and rare birds just because those cover crops are there. So you're providing habitat for the game birds, which um, yes. has a sort of has a a beneficial. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I yeah, I think that's, and I think a lot of farmers do keep copses and other elements, they do, uh, yes. habitat elements for game, which 
or they so. probably wouldn't exactly and yeah. and you know if you if you want a good bird you have to look after it well so the conservation has to be there so and that's on one hand i was quite surprised by the statistic that sort of said that the number of pheasants and partridges that are that it outweighs the number of native wild birds in britain and that's quite that's quite a substantial impact in terms of just that I think the mass of all the pheasants and partridges that are released is that like double the number of wild birds we have? Yes. Uh, BT, it was a BTO research, so... Yes, yeah. Um, I, th I think, you know, we have to look at best practice. I mean, are, uh, are we shoot... Are we, are we, have we got too many shoots, do you think? No, I don't think too many shoots. And, and um, for me, it's not about the big... The big bags, as they call it, yeah. the number that are shot on the day. It's about the best practice, and you know the shoots must take responsibility to have a market for their birds mm. if they're going to shoot them, and they must have best practice. You know they mustn't have too many birds in a, a release pen or in one area. That you know they've got to be able to be nice birds, so they've got to have that area to roam around and eat in. To produce those nice birds for the meat industry. Yeah. So they got. To, um, how long do they live in the wild before they? Um, well, they... I always thought it was sort of two to three years, but actually, the, we had one um, last year that was five years old. So, right, so because it, it was tagged. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, they do live for quite some time. The, so shoots generally. All the pheasants that are shot. What happens? Do they give them out to the shooters, and then the rest go to a game dealer, or how, how does that? How does it normally work? Um, it depends on, on the size of the shoot. Um, some uh, small shoots, uh, they'll all go to the, the guns and, and the beaters. Yeah. Um, some uh, the very big shoots. Um, what they do is that they send all the birds off to the game dealer, and then they get something back in return, and that can be uh, anything from sausages to yeah. oven-ready birds, which they then give out to their guns. And I think sausages are a great idea. Um, what, turning, turning the birds into sausages? Yeah, I like pheasant sausages. Yeah, okay, I haven't seen those. But oh, they're, that, so, yeah. they're delicious. I've seen a lot of pheasant, eaten a lot of pheasant uh, venison sausages in my time. Yeah, uh, no. Oh, so that's a way of processing all that meat in a sort of... Yeah, in a fashion that people understand. Yeah. Somebody's, if if um, they're not quite so sure about game meat, you know, they, and they see some sausages, they, well, they know what a sausage is, so they'll, they'll pick up sausages and try them yeah. much much quicker than they'll pick up even a breast of pheasant. Oh, well, that's interesting. So that might be another way of getting yeah. people to taste um, uh, lead shot. Yes. So that's, that's, there's big debates about lead shot at the moment. Yes. And um, there seems to be, after quite a lot of campaigning, uh, a move in the shooting industry to, to, to start to get rid of it from there. Yeah, I think, I think the move has been going on for some time, but it um, comes down again to uh, the quality of life for the birds. So uh, the industry found it quite hard to match something that had such a clean kill as, as lead. Um, but that's now the, you know, the cartridge makers are now sort of on top of that and they're bringing out cartridges uh, the steel or bismuth or bismuth uh, is the one that yeah. I remember. I was trying to think. Begins with Co B. Or <laughs> copper coated. Copper, right, copper coated lead. Yes. But, yeah. Okay. Um, and does that stop it being a pollutant, or because I think some of the issues with lead are that it yes gets yes, it into does. the yeah. 
to a certain uh, extent. I don't think the research is quite there yet. No. Um, but steel and bismuth, obviously, are, are not a, such a toxic metal. Yeah, because the issue was always water birds and um, swans yeah. and, and, and ducks and geese. We ingesting. haven't been able to shoot over water for a long time with yeah. lead. Um, and so people are used to it. And with Waitrose this year introducing uh, their range of lead-free gain, um, I think there, there'll be a move, if it's successful, yeah. uh, there'll be very much a move for, with other supermarkets to introduce that as well. And what about lead in meat? So, I mean, I, whenever I've eaten pheasants and things, there's always a sort of crunch on your teeth and uh, <laughs> out comes a little pellet and spit yeah. it on the plate and that's, the, that's part of the... Yeah, yeah it's, it's like sixpence yeah, in a Christmas lucky, pudding. Yes, exactly. If you <laughs> but um, there is lots of, you know, I've read a lot of articles, a lot of campaigners. It's bad for you if you ingest that lead. Or There's never been any evidence to show that the lead is harmful, that the levels are high enough to actually uh, harm. But it, it, I think the move away is, is a good move because it opens up the market much more for us. So, for instance, we always follow the FSA standards, which say that um, games should not be led, fed to pregnant women yeah. and uh, toddlers right. or young children. Yeah. And to get rid of that lead and introduce something else, we'll open that market up much more, which is a great market because it's such a healthy meat. Those are the sort of people that should be eating it. Um, so I, I welcome um, the, the move. Um, you know, and if the Europe, uh, which they are talking about, introduce some kind of lead ban over there, with so much of our meat going across to Europe, we will have to co have to comply anyway, even if there is not a ban over here, just to make sure that our markets stay open. Yeah, even if we leave the EU. Yes, yes, so exactly. It's not going to, if we leave the EU, it's not going to stop that really good trade that we've got going yeah. with, with Europe. So we're just entering these grottos, <laughs> which are really, uh, it's a long time, it's probably, I haven't been here since childhood, and these are so familiar Lord, to me. Yes. <laughs> Have you been here before? No, I haven't. No, no, no these no, are great. Lovely, these, these, these are really spooky as a kid to go into these stony, <laughs> mossy places. Um, so our voices will echo a bit. Um, so, uh, the Game Awards, T yes. tell me about those. Well, uh, we founded them... And watch your feet, it's pitch black. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we founded those with um, Purdy. The, the shock, shotgun makers. Yes. Yeah. Um, to sort of help the market, or increase, show, increase the profile, really, of game, and to showcase the excellence that's been going on. Um, there are some uh, businesses out there doing some fantastic work with pies and sausages and burgers and ready meals and things like that. Clamber up uh, these rickety stone steps. <laughs> and, uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, we just wanted to reward them and showcase them because um, they're doing such a, such a great job. So it's quite innovative ways of offering game to the general public. Is yes. that the idea? That yeah, I mean, it ranges from everything from charcuterie through to ready meal, like I said, and uh, you know, and and the sausages and burgers and pies are just becoming more and more popular because they're in things that people recognise. What single thing would make it easier to get across to people? Um, 
because I think not a lot of people know about the game awards and I think there might also be a sort of sense amongst your average person that game shooting it's it's a, it's a different class it's a different is there a way of breaking down that perception that you know it's people in tweed going out and shooting? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just talking about a cliche here, but yes, it's definitely very much is, like, yeah. it still is a cliche that exists in Britain. Yes. That yeah. or certainly perceptions of these stereotypes. Um, I, it, there are still those shoots where uh, people turn up in tweed, and that is not done for showing off or anything like that. That's respect about the quarry. So in, when we go shooting, I belong to a, a little shoot. There's only eight of us. Um, most of them are farmers, so we spend most of the time talking about sheds and drainage. And <laughs> right, OK. It's a social event. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, uh, we, we all dress up. I don't wear tweed, but I make sure that I'm very smart and because we have our respect for the quarry that we're actually going to shoot. And what, so you're wearing... So, so I, I, will wear, I will wear a check shirt yeah. and um, a, a jumper and um, a, a, a shooting jacket, but it's not a not a tweed one. Mm. Um, and you know, I go and I'm very clean, and you know. I, and it's expected that you would turn up yes, in that in that sort of way. Uniform in a way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It is. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, the, and a respect for tradition. Yes, absolutely. You know, people who do wear tweed, you know, some of these gamekeepers, you know, that that is their profession and they're very proud of that profession and that is the dress code for their, so their for their profession, just like any other, like a, a doctor in his, you know, in his uh, scrubs or, or whatever. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing. I, I mean, there's a... So there are all these technical materials these days, so if, if I turned up to a shoot dressed in some of the sort of outdoor wear that you're seeing amongst these people in there, you know, <laughs> quite over the tops of it. Yes. Uh, but that would be frowned on, presumably. Um, as, as, as long as it wasn't too bright. Yeah, yes, yes, of course, there's a certain amount of sort of blending in that you've got exactly. to do. Exactly, exactly. You'd be all right, would you? you jeans, jeans, and a, and a, jeans and a raincoat? Um, Probably not jeans. Probably you, you, they want you to be a bit smarter than, than jeans. So yes. smart, smart is a, is a, yes. is a cru- crucial yes, it's, thing. Yes, it's, it's smart. It's, I'm it's quite interested. Respect again. Yeah, I'm quite interested in that that, that culture of um, it's almost like a sort of tribes of the countryside that people have different uniforms and I see it. Yes, yes, it is. Sort of way of identifying people who follow the same sort of things as you do and enjoy the same pursuits. Yeah, and so some of it is for protection too. Some of yeah. these tweeds that they wear actually are extremely warm and extremely waterproof. Yeah, so there's a huge, important practical element. There's yeah. a lovely view here of there's king, is, yeah, kingfisher. And you see the kingfisher going up into the tree. Oh, cracker, yes. Uh, that was well spotted. Yeah, and uh, amazing. This is, this is one of the great views in sort of landscape gardening in Britain, I yes, think. Yes, it's beautiful, isn't it, with the little bridge in the background. And the temples and the yeah, islands. Yeah. Um, so, and a question I often ask shooters, we had a, we recently had a piece in the magazine by a young guy who shoots in um, Argyle, uh, Dumfries Galloway, actually, and yes. he was, I wanted him to answer the question, why do you shoot? What is, what is it? Because uh, he shoots a lot of pest species, so there's a he gets employed to come out and shoot crows, but he also yes. gets beating and shoots um, 
pheasants and, and partridges. And that was interesting to sort of say, you know, really what you, what you get out of it. And there was a much more sort of visceral, it was connection to the countryside and the hunting element was very important. Yes, yeah, I, I think it is to, to people. Um, and it, it's, uh, the actual shooting side is so social. You know, so I, we, when we go shooting, uh, uh, one of my uh, colleagues, Dave, and I often get uh, miss a bird because we're too busy talking right. you know, and things like that. So the yeah. social side is extremely important. Um, there's been some re research done on how actually it's really good for your well-being because you're outside, you're being very social and things like that. But um, for me, it's I, I always eat what I shoot, always. Yeah. Um, and so it is that hunting element. It's it's that um, getting meat on the table sort of type element, and it's also um, I like to challenge myself. I like to be good at things, um, and and that comes into it as well. So, uh, alternately, there are people who want to chalk up a big bag. You talked about big bags. Yes. I, I personally struggle a bit with that, this sort of numbers game, rather than shooting for the pot. Yes. That seems to be excessive and harder to is it justify breeding yes, or I can understand releasing, that. putting a lot of resource into yeah. Um, getting these birds to the stage where they're ready to live in the wild. I mean, they're, they're, they're reared in captivity, aren't they, pheasants? And they're released. reared in uh, outdoor pens yeah. um, for a few weeks, yes. Yep. And then, so that's a lot of effort they're goes released. in, and then they're, they're sort of shot in large numbers. That That's, that's why every, every shoot should be responsible for the birds they shoot and, and make sure there is a market for them. Yeah. We've got this great quote... Um, from uh, that actually uh, James Horn from Purdy's always says that if we ate pheasant at the same rate that we ate chicken, we'd have eight days supply in this Yeah, exactly. And uh, well, that's true. And you know, you know, which is not, not a huge market we're looking for. No. So, and with the big shoots, it is easier, it's more viable for the game dealers to pick up from a mm. big shoot because they're picking up in quantity. Um, rather than chasing around all the countryside, picking up 100 birds here and 100 birds there. Um, so, it, it, yes, I understand people's quandaries on that. There's, um, there is an issue of, um, which I'd always dismissed as sort of rumour and, and besmirching the shooting industry of excess pheasants being sort of dug into the, buried in the ground. But I have heard from, this year, from two reliable journalists who have witnessed this happening, where excess birds are dumped and then covered up. Which is totally immoral and should never, ever, ever happen. Um, and it, again, you know, those, those shoots are not good shoots. Yeah. Unfortunately, in every industry, you get one or two that There's are some not... Bad, bad apples. Bad yeah. apples, yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, we would, we would always come out against that. Yeah. Um, it's always... Because, like I've just shown, that market is not a huge market. Yeah. You can get rid of them. Yeah, can't they just oh, give them away? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's sort of food banks and things everywhere. And, you know, a lot of shoots are beginning, 
being very innovative about what they do by sort of breasting them and, and giving them to people with breasts with a bit of sauce or, or making them into sausages. Sausages, as you yeah. say, yeah. So there's, there's clearly, yeah. So there's things you can do with yeah. them. So there's, there is actually no excuse whatsoever yeah. for that type of behaviour. Okay. What should people do if they ever saw that? I think... Um, oh, they should report it to the police. To the police. Okay, yes, it's a police definitely. issue, is it? Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, let's go back to the awards, because I don't think we talked yes. enough about those. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. What sort of categories do you have, then? What sort of... Uh, we, what, have, uh, ever, we have best um, chef, uh, best restaurant, best pub, best added value, best butcher, game hero, um, Scottish champion, champion of champions. Um, What's a game hero? A game hero is just anyone... You can, you can nominate anybody who... Um, you think has done something really good in the game world and that can be anything from a, a, a shoot owner who does things like sausages and gives them away to, to local to neighbours and things mm. like that to somebody who's uh, just worked in the game industry and has promoted it in a very positive way all their life. So that's just a sample of the debates about game and shooting in the modern British countryside today. A big thank you to Annette from Taste of Game for answering my many questions. And you can find out more about Taste of Game at their website, tasteofgame.org.uk. If you have any comments about this podcast and any of the issues raised in it, please do email me at editor at countryfile.com. And for more about the countryside we all love, do visit our website, countryfile.com. You won't be disappointed. It's full of walks, news stories, articles about the TV programme and loads, loads more. So you've been listening to the BBC Countryfile magazine podcast produced in Bristol by Ben Ewart and Jack Bateman. My name is Fergus Collins. I'm the magazine's editor. Thanks for tuning in and goodbye for now.